Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Tonight is a type night when, you know, I wish I had some kids. So instead of having to watch the Browns and the Bengals, could have been out trick-or-treating, powering down some Reese's Pieces, powering down some Paydays, Milky Ways, whatever your favorite Halloween candy is, Happy Halloween. It would be un-American not to have, I would say, minimum 12 over, over under, I'll put the over under at like 10 and a half little mini pieces of candy on Halloween night, whether you got kids or not. I mean, you better be eating some candy. Hopefully you had a good Halloween. Unless you're a Browns or Bengal fan. If you're a Bengal fan, I mean, you don't want to witness that. If you're a Browns fan, happy for you guys. You look good. Uh, Jacoby didn't kill you. And uh, y'all want a big game, Monday Night Football. So you you never complain. I don't care what your record is about winning a Monday Night Football game. Because, well, you could argue tonight, you know, unless you're like over 50, anyone with kids under, what's the age? Probably, you know, 10. Like my, my family stopped walking around with me at like seven. But, you know, times are a little different in 2022. Depending on where you live, you got to keep your head on a swivel. So, uh, so yeah, Three and Out Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. If you listen on Colin's feed, subscribe to the Three and Out Podcast. Also, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone sharing. Volume YouTube page. We put the podcast up on AMP. Go up there as well. And uh, and yeah, so let's dive into some football. Okay, let's start with the Brownies. And when we're looking at the Cleveland Browns all season long, I have struggled to make harsh judgments on the Browns when it comes to Kevin Stefanski and their situation, mainly because they've been playing with Jacoby Brissett. And any time that you play with Jacoby Brissett or just any backup quarterback for more than one or two games, you're going to lose because backup quarterbacks are a major issue. There are backups for a reason. 
that they are not sustainable answers. And when you, we've seen it this year, Jacoby has thrown back-breaking interceptions. Now, I've said over and over, I didn't agree with the trade. That was not something that I would have done when you factor in the money, when you factor in the draft picks, when you factor in everything that the Cleveland Browns did. I think most people universally agree it was insane. But they're the Browns. I mean, their owner, Rob Truckers. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't take them that seriously to begin with. From an organizational standpoint. Now, when it comes to the talent on their team, and you saw it tonight on full display. We saw it last year. Going into the season, a lot of people picked them to compete for the Super Bowl. But the problem was that Baker Mayfield was a disaster. And so when they big reason they made the Watson trade was because... They had to upgrade the quarterback position. Now, they had to kind of sell their soul to do it in $230-plus but it happened. What are you going to do? And, like, it is. it is. It's water under the bridge. So there's nothing. We can have moral stances about it, but it's not going to change. He's going to be the quarterback here after week 11. But part of the reason they were 2-5 and five coming to this game, now they're 3-5, and five, and a reason that they're going to struggle to win on a weekly basis is not because of the other players. They have one of the best running backs, arguably the best running back in the league. Miles Garrett is definitely the most talented pass rusher. Uh, You know, Bosa, you know, depending on some other guys, like there are other elite players. You could argue he's the best, uh, and their DBs are really good. Amari Cooper's a really good player. But ultimately, when you play with your backup quarterback, like you're going to struggle to sustain consistent play. And, you know, part of the reason that the Browns, like, are not going to make the playoffs this year is because... They've played with Jacoby Brissett. So when it comes to Cleveland judging them this season, I'm giving them some sort of a pass. And it's it's weird. It's a bizarre situation. But that is the Cleveland Browns. That is the hand they were dealt when they made this trade and the dude got suspended for basically the entire season. And no one can dispute their talent. Because you saw tonight. Now, we'll get into the Bengals here in a second. That is a... that's They got blue-chip guys. Their offensive line is excellent. I mean, Nick Chubb, I was talking to an exec earlier in the season, and he thought the two best running backs, you know, assuming that Henry was going to fall off, and he just ironically just had 200-plus yards, were uh, Taylor in Indy and Nick Chubb. You watch him the night, you go, listen, I, I haven't, I refuse to watch Indianapolis. That, that is, I'd rather watch fucking paint dry than watch Frank and the Colts play football. But listen, I, Jonathan Taylor is a stud. But you can't tell me he's better than what we just witnessed. That guy. Because to me, that guy's the total package. Now, I'm not saying Taylor's worse than him, but I don't think right now in the NFL anyone is better than Nick Chubb. But the problem is when your quarterback throws back-breaking interceptions in the fourth quarter, you know, you're 2-5. and five, Or now you're 3-5. and five, You know, instead of being... You know, if you just had solid quarterback play, that's a 5-3 and three team. And I know a lot of people get very mad at Stefanski, get mad at the play calling... It's understandable, but it's hard to overcome. I don't care if you got Bill Walsh. I don't care if you got Bill Parcells. I don't care. I've seen it with Kyle Shanahan. When he's had to play with backup quarterbacks in years past, he loses. It just happens over and over. It's one thing, a one-off game. You can win a one-off game with a backup quarterback. You cannot win a month full of games. You can't win two months full of games. You can't win 11 games. I don't care who's on your team. And speaking of the Bengals, like... Tonight, I thought, was a pretty big reflection of their coach. You know, when you lose Jabbar Chase, who is the second best player in your team, and tonight it honestly looked like he's the best player on their team, 
It's a huge blow. It is hard to overcome star impact skill guys. And I, I looked at the stats the last two weeks. I mean, if you watched him against the Saints, was that two weeks ago or one week ago? I forget. Within the last two weeks. He, I mean, he's, he's had 15 catches, 260 yards and four touchdowns the last two weeks. I mean, he's been a man amongst boys. And he's been like that really since he's shown up. Really since we saw him at LSU. And when you're missing a guy like that, it's on your coach to scheme up the offense. Because you're going to need other guys to take on a bigger load than they're used to taking on. And tonight, their head coach was unable to do that. Their offensive line was putrid, and Burrow was not that great. But also, he was getting peppered. I mean, Miles Garrett was in his ass every single snap. They had pressure all over him all night long. And to me, when you're going up against the Browns in that pass rush, and Jamar Chase is not there for you for him and Burrow just to kind of play backyard football. That's on you to scheme it up. <laughs> like have some have some plays in your bag that they don't see coming. Get him some easy completions. Have a plan to neutralize a dominant front. It's got to get rid of the football quickly. And clearly, Zach Taylor, who I think in a lot of circles is viewed as not a very good coach, which is kind of crazy to think that. He was just the head coach of a team that was in the Super Bowl, and most people don't think he's any good. And I thought tonight is a good example why. It's one thing to lose. You're on the road, Monday Night Football against a division rival, even if Jacoby Brissett is their, is their quarterback. It's another thing to get your ass kicked. And tonight they got, they got mollywopped. I mean, they got embarrassed. They got clowned on national television. And to me, that's a reflection of the coach. When you are unprepared when you show up lifeless and you have zero answers to anything, I don't blame him for not being able to tackle Nick Chubb. Like that's, he he's he's the head coach and the defense is on, like it's under his umbrella, but he is the offensive play caller. And I'm judging him on scheming some plays for some random guys when Jamar Chase is nowhere to be found. And I also think that's a reflection of the Bengals a little bit. Like I, I'm not... I know social media is killing Joe Burrow, acting like he's some scrub. Joe Burrow can play for my team any day of the week. But when you have an average coach and you're missing what looks like a, a guy that's got a chance to be like an all-time great wide receiver, you need some help. And when I say help, the help comes from the coaching staff. And I think it's fair to say that I, I just don't see it, Zach Taylor. I, I never really have. Their offensive line, they paid all this money. They invested in guys. They drafted guys. And you watch them most weeks, they look pretty shitty. They do not look good. And this is, like, that's the highest end type guy you're going to see. But you can watch him play random teams and Burrow's kind of scrambling for his life. It feels a little bit like, and ironically, his comp coming out of college, I thought was Tony Romo. And uh, Tony Romo early on in his career did not have a great offensive line. Tony Romo used to run around for dear life to, you know, avoid pass rushers. And that kind of feels what Joe Burrow has to do. Joe Burrow has to be like Superman. And he's lucky they made the right decision when a lot of us thought they should take the offensive lineman. They took Jamar Chase. That was 100% the right decision. But when he's not around and injuries happen, like sometimes Devontae Adams missed some games with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, you know, and Matt LaFleur and Mike McCarthy over the years were able to figure out how to win games without Devontae Adams. 
Not this year, but in previous years. Because there's a difference in just losing a player for the season and having a guy miss a game, a two, a three-week stretch. Like That's part of football. And to me, if, if you tell me Jamar Chase is out a several weeks, the Bengals will lose every game. Or at least they are susceptible to losing to every single team they play without Jamar Chase. Like, that is a massive, massive blow for the Bengals. And Zach Taylor, man, I you know, I don't know. Now, the Bengals, you know, aren't exactly uh, some team that's going to be sniffing around for Sean Payton. But can you imagine Sean Payton with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase? I can. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Belichick, 
who just passed George Hallis. Uh, second all-time wins, 325. I think I heard Robert Kraft say the numbers like 280-plus with the Patriots. Obviously, he's done the majority of his winning with New England, and specifically Tom Brady. And I, I know that I get a lot, a lot would be strong. It's like, you know, when you see a controversy on the internet, like a lot of blowback, what, seven tweets? That's your classic new media thing. Like, there's a lot of controversy. Yeah, because 18 people on the internet are pissed off. No one actually gives a shit. But I do think it's fair that if you hate Belichick, that you debate that he's a little overrated in the sense that he can only do it with Tom. Now, is Bill Walsh winning anything without Joe Montana? Part of being a good coach is having an elite quarterback. And Parcells was really the one guy who had the greatest defensive player of all time, and Belichick was a part of that. And remember, if you've watched the two Bills, the documentary on uh, the 30 for 30, Parcells basically gave Belichick the credit for scheming the defense against, I don't know, the greatest offense of all time in Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and slowing them down. Pretty sure that the game plan is in the Hall of Fame. So I hold Belichick to a very high regard. Now, some people push back. And they go, oh, Middlecoff, he's just overrated. He needed Brady. And I listen, I'm not disputing that him and Brady weren't a match made in football heaven. You know, that they needed each other. Just like Michael Jordan once upon a time, I don't know, needed Phil Jackson. Like, th- th- they did well together, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes we, like, Patrick Mahomes is a fucking star. All-time great quarterback. Andy Reid, all-time great coach. Like, they needed each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they're having a lot of success together. Now, if Patrick went to some other team right now, there is a chance that it'd be easier for him to win a Super Bowl than it would if he just left Coach Reed and Coach Reed had to find a quarterback. Why? It's very difficult. Now, Belichick picks every single player with the team. So if you want to be critical of his GM skills, I totally understand that. He has made picks over the years that are beyond head-scratching. And I disagreed with taking Mac Jones at 15th overall. Now, I understood they needed a quarterback, right? You couldn't operate. I believe, and I'm, I'll argue this till I'm six feet under, to go 7-9 and nine, the year that they led the league in people opting out of the season with Cam Newton as their quarterback who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if he was standing on the top of the horse He wouldn't have been able to hit water if he was in the middle of the ocean. He was god-awful. And Belichick went 7-9. and And then last year, he went 11-5. and Or I guess 11-6 and now because I got 17 games. With Mac Jones. I did the math today. He is 15-10 and because he's 4-4 this year. And he was 11-6 and last year. So he's 15-10 and with Mac Jones as starting quarterback. And Bailey Zappi mixed in there for a couple. Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones... If I gave the majority of coaches, like to me, there is a short list of guys that can compete with this roster. And again, I do not dispute that the roster being relatively average is on Belichick. This is his doing. But he's such a great coach. He has Matt Patricia and Joe Judge coaching his offense. I mean, think about that. Like the one thing I will not pivot and I will take the L because it's pretty clear the Patriots are going to get to like nine or 10 wins. And I thought they would be five and six. And I'm going to say over and over, I was wrong on that. And I underestimated how great this guy is. But I will not pivot off Patricia and Joe Judge. Because if you put those guys on the street right now, there ain't a soul in Power 5 and definitely the National Football League that's hiring Matt Patricia to be their offensive coordinator. And Joe Judge, position coach, you could argue whatever, but to be the quarterback coach? I mean, that's the most important position on your team, especially with a young a young quarterback. So 
Uh, their offense isn't that great, and partly because their quarterback stinks. Mac Jones is a backup. And this isn't personal. He's probably a good guy. Just like Bailey Zappi, probably a good guy. Those guys are mediocre average players. And to win in the NFL when you have a mediocre average quarterback is very impressive. And that speaks to how good you are as a coach. It's why when he played the Jets, I had someone around the Jets tell me, and I, this number might be off, but basically over a three-year period of time, they had eight or nine you know, high picks. That's like top 75 picks, right? They made the trade for Jamal Adams. They had multiple first-round picks. They've had a bunch of ammo high in the draft. And he's like, you know, if we hit on eight of the nine high picks, and it looks like they have. You know, we'll see. Elijah Moore, it's a little weird, but Brees Hall's a stud. Uh, the dude, Garrett Wilson's a stud. Their offensive line's really good. Like, they've uh, Sauce Gardner's a star. Like, they're, they're just banging out picks. And the one pick we miss on is Zach Wilson. We're in trouble. And he's like, on the flip side, if we missed on every single one of those guys, we missed on eight of the nine picks. But the one pick we hit on is Zach Wilson. Everyone here is getting extensions. And that's the way the NFL works. It's a quarterback league. And the one coach, or there's very few, like Sean Payton kind of did it last year. He played an NFL season with like seven different quarterbacks and somehow won nine games. And if it wasn't for this crazy comeback win for the 49ers, the New Orleans Saints would have made the playoffs last year, playing games with Ian Book, Taysom Hill, Jameis for a couple games. Like That was insane what they did last year. And they still won nine games. Like you see Dan Campbell, like they got players on their team and they're going to win like three games this season. And that was like Sean Payton's guy. So it's very, very hard to win in the NFL when you have average to below quarterback play. Like that's, I'm, I'm not breaking news here. And the Jets are a good example of, they got good players everywhere now. Hell, they just lost a couple star players in Brees Hall and Tucker. And their main problem is their quarterback. He's not that good. He's not a reliable player. He doesn't play smart. Like when you watch him play yesterday, I'm recording this on Monday. So if you listen on Tuesday, a couple days ago, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's just a kind of basic stuff. Some of his picks, it's one thing if you throw an interception, uh, like if you watch games on Saturday and Sunday, sometimes a defensive player will make an incredible play, right? He'll fake going left and then he'll cut back right and he'll get into a passing lane and pick the ball off. He'll fake like he's dropping into coverage. He'll blitz and he'll make a play. There was a pick that Trevor Lawrence threw like on a rollout and he threw this BB and the DB just like leaped up in the air. It was, it was like, you know, that's a pretty good defensive play. And then there are balls that Zach Wilson throws that like hit Devin McCourty in his stomach. It's like, are, are you throwing it to the Patriots? And the reason I love New England this week is not because I think they have better players than the Jets. I, I think they're probably pretty similar. If anything, the Jets might even have more high-end talent especially more upside guys uh, at skilled positions. Like, the, the the Patriots don't have a Garrett Wilson, you know? They didn't, I guess they're running, Deion, uh, they're, their running back's pretty good. But the, the Jets have a really good pass rush. Like, the Jets are really talented. But their quarterback is just a major, major liability. And listen, I'm not going to write the guy's career off. Though I know I have, I have close friends that are scouting directors and people in the NFL that told me, I don't see it. I never believed in it. And what I don't quite understand is, one, that quarterback draft is looking very, very questionable. It's got a long way to go. But why the Jets got so dead set on Zach Wilson? I, I'll just never get it. And why, like, to me, Justin Fields was the number two 
pick in that draft, like the number two quarterback of the group, just because blue chip guy, five-star guy, the talent. Like if I'm going to mold any of the other cats, it was going to be him. They all were a work in progress, yet somehow that guy was, you know, the fourth quarterback off the board, right? Zach Wilson, then even Trey Lance. Like Kyle, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I would have taken Justin Field. Now I understood taking Trey Lance, but I never quite got the Zach Wilson. Not because he's not talented. Like you see him roll out, sling it. He honestly, he's kind of got some Aaron Rodgers level talent. And I don't mean as a player, I just mean physical abilities. His ability to roll out, his ability to sling it from different arm angles. But the ball does not go where Aaron Rodgers throws it. And he does not make good decisions. So when you don't have those going for you, I can't trust your accuracy. And two, I can't trust your decision making. It's very hard to play football on Sundays. And when you consistently do that, you get people fired. Because ultimately, if that quarterback play is poor, that's when people lose their jobs. And I'm not saying Salah and Joe Douglas are losing their jobs anytime soon, but if this kid's a bust, I don't see how they overcome that. That That's going to royally screw them. And then, you know, the 49ers and Rams game. I, I look back, like, obviously the Rams, I have no problem with them putting all their chips in the middle of the table. They've made aggressive trades, and they've directly benefited from it. And, and I, I say it all the time, I admire the shit out of aggressive people. Because for the most part, in most industries, aggressive wins. If you want to stay in the slow lane, that's fine. You're going to get passed. Now, the people in the fast lane, every once in a while, depending on what happened in their given profession, might get in a car crash. But you, it's not like you're any less likely to get into a car crash in the other lanes. And the other thing is the majority of the people in the fast lane, when they do hit, they shoot up like a rocket ship. And look at the ramps. They have made, you know, they hang their hat on F them picks and they got Matt Stafford and they won the Super Bowl. But even before that, when they traded for Jalen Ramsey, like Jalen Ramsey's a stud. That That's a trade that every team in the league should be interested in making. And they've benefited from it. But when you do that, <clears throat> it puts a premium on your other picks, right? The other picks that you have, especially like there are some years when, and they, in 2020 and 2021, their first pick in those drafts were in the second round, and they missed on both guys. And you can't afford to miss on the first pick you have when you don't have a first rounder. Your margin for error, and also part of making the trades for Matt Stafford and for Jalen Ramsey, is they had to give them massive contracts. So when you make that trade, it's a double whammy. I make the trade so I lose draft picks, and then I sign guys to huge contracts and in uh, Stafford's case, I inherit his contract and then I extend it. Like that takes my salary cap. So it's a double whammy. And I got no problem doing that. But when you do that, you have to take advantage of your second and third round picks. Why? Because those guys' cap number is so small. And I looked in 2020, they took Cam Akers. Well, now Sean McVay hates the guy. Can't stand him, doesn't play him. And in 2021, they took Tutu Atwell, a speed wide receiver who does nothing. And when I watch them play the 49ers, their biggest flaw, like their offensive line has always been a question mark. They win 10 to 11 games every single year. They won the Super Bowl last year with an average offensive line at best. So yeah, would you like the offensive line to be better? Of course you would. The 49ers went to a Super Bowl and they went to an NFC Championship game with Mike fucking McGlinchey playing right tackle. So if your offensive scheme is good enough and your play caller is good enough and you have enough skill guys around it, you can get a, you can, I would say you can out scheme an offense. Look at the Bengals. Last year, they make it to the playoffs with a bad offensive line. Forever, Google who some of the guys Peyton Manning played with at offensive line. 
Google some of the guys Tom Brady played with at offensive line. Listen, I'm a Fresno State guy. I don't know him personally, but I, I followed his career, and he's now the long, shaggy guy that sits next to Ken Dorsey in the box. Last year, he sat next to Brian Dable. His name is Ryan Wendell. I think he's the assistant offensive line coach for the Bills, and he's been he's been with Sean McDermott for a while. He started in a Super Bowl. Kyle Devan, who's also now an offensive line coach, I think in the Pac-12, started for with Peyton Manning in a Super Bowl. Like these guys are fringe, like practice squad guys. So you don't need Trent Williams at every single position to make a run at offensive line, but you can't afford to miss on your high draft picks when you do not have first round picks. And going to Cam Akers, and then a year later, Sean McVay hating the guy, and Tutu Atwell, who just does nothing for you, is kind of a disaster. Because if you had just taken two players at whatever positions, let's say a tight end, and let's say a DB, let's say a pass rusher, and let's say a guard, and those guys are just starters, they would have way more depth on their team, and they wouldn't feel as top-heavy. But they whiffed on back-to-back second-round picks. And here's the other thing. I like Sean McVay. How could you not? I mean, his, his resume speaks for itself. But he learned in the Shanahan scheme. And I think philosophically, he likes throwing the ball more than most Shanahan guys, which I'm for. Like, I, I worked in the league under Andy Reid. Like, I, I'm pro throwing the football. But when you have leads against other physical teams and you have an inability to run the ball, you're going to get in precarious situations, especially when you have a quarterback who turns the ball over a lot. And, and on Sunday, they're up 14 nothing against the 49ers in the second half. And the Niners get the ball out of half, and they basically go three and out. And the Rams get the ball back. That is the type drive that you just hand the ball off over and over and over and bleed the clock out and extend your lead. Instead, they couldn't because they just naturally get pass happy. Why? Because their starting running back is Ronnie Rivers, who, Fresno State guy, I'm rooting for the guy. I watched the guy in college play a lot. It never crossed my mind once watching Ronnie Rivers play at Fresno State, that he would play on Sundays. Now, if you told me he went to a training camp or was in OTAs, I'd believe you. But be the starter for the defending Super Bowl champs, I do not understand how the Los Angeles Rams... Remember, when Sean McVay became a star, his starting running back was Todd Gurley, a freak talent, a guy that was drafted 10th overall with a torn ACL. Now, ultimately, as his career went, his knee gave out on him. But Sean McVay became a transcendent coach and a name that we all knew because his starting running back dominated. And ever since they've transitioned away from him, they have not been able to replace that position, which ironically, in theory, should be the easiest position to replace. The majority of teams find guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yet the Rams invested in Cam Akers, which I know a lot of people around the league, they really like the guy has been a disaster. And now the head coach doesn't like them, and their inability to run the ball is a big reason to me they are a very, very flawed team this year and in major, major trouble. And on the flip side, well, I don't want to call the Christian McCaffrey trade a success, but based on his two games and definitely the most important game that he played in, which was a must-win for the 49ers, they, they, they could not go to the bye 3-5. and five. It would be their second straight year being 3-5, and five, like the Bucks and the Packers, it would have been a disaster because they don't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to fall back on. And I, I can be, I can pick and choose my aggressiveness with trades. Like, I like the Jalen Ramsey trade. I like the Khalil Mack trade. I struggled a little with the Christian McCaffrey trade because of his position. 
But I think after watching a couple weeks of it, and specifically against the Rams, where, I don't know, he became the first guy since LT to throw, run, and pass for a touchdown, and only the third guy in NFL history to do that. The other guy was Walter Payton. So two of them are, you know, I mean, one's considered arguably the best running back of all time. And LT, the running back, Charger, I, I think is considered one of the great offensive playmakers of all time. I mean, just... I mean, in my lifetime, he's one of the better NFL players ever. So McCaffrey, when you play in a smaller market and then the team sucks, you're out of sight, out of mind. You're you're irrelevant to most of us fans. And like, I wasn't watching him play the last couple of years. Neither were you. Neither was anyone because his team sucked. And then when you factor in, he was injured a lot. I think part of me went, this trade's, you're trading for a running back. But Kyle Shanahan said it after the game. To Albert Breer, like, we didn't view him as just a running back. We viewed him as an offensive player, a lot like Debo. And the thing with Debo is Debo would not work for the majority of NFL teams because the majority of NFL offensive coordinators would not be able to utilize his skill set. He's not just running like goes and posts. Hell, he can't really run those routes. He's not a great route runner. But he is one of the best pound-for-pound NFL players in the league because his coach knows how to utilize guys behind the line of scrimmage. Most young coaches now get very pass-happy. They don't want to run the ball. And that's Kyle's kind of addicted to that. But he's also addicted to just making it easy for his playmakers to touch the football. And you saw that with Christian McCaffrey. So when you look at that trade, second, third, a fourth, and then a following year's fifth, like maybe it's not that crazy. Especially when you factor in they got a couple third comp picks. And part of the reason they did it was because if they didn't include that fourth-round pick, he was going to go to the Rams. And if the 49ers had not gotten aggressive on that trade and he had gone to the Rams with Debo being out, they lose that game. And they lose that game like, I don't want to say their season's over, but it would feel pretty much over. I know they somehow made the playoffs last year 3-5. and five. I think you're defying logic if you think you're going to go back-to-back seasons, start 3-5, and five, and win 10 games. Like, that would probably be out of the realm of possibilities. But now they're 4-4. Four and four. They got a bye week. They're going to have Debo coming back. Can you imagine once he figures out how to use Debo and Christian McCaffrey to go along with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle? Good fucking luck. <laughs> you know, that that is some serious firepower. And speaking of firepower, Derrick Henry, I, I think running back's my favorite position, like the good ones, because it encompasses everything. You, the physicality of the sport, you got to run between the tackles. It takes like skill to go outside the tackles and innate, you know, instincts and feel for space. You got to be able to catch the ball. You got to be able to block. And Derrick Henry is somewhat of a throwback. I mean, anyone my age or older grew up with football. People ran the ball. I mean, I played high school football in the early 2000s. We ran the wing tee. And the majority of teams we played also ran the wing tee. When I worked in college football in 08, so many teams ran quote-unquote pro-style offenses, which meant you had a fullback and you ran the ball. It really hasn't been till the, since this last decade that we've become much more of a spread, pass-happy sport, which I enjoy. I like watching Mahomes and some of these guys sling it around. But I'm a sucker for a running back that I just go, I'm going to hop on your back and I'm going to ride you like Secretariat. And Derrick Henry became tied to OJ and Adrian Peterson for the most all-time 200-yard games. Like that is an incredible, it's more, ga- more 200-yard games than Barry Sanders, than Emmitt Smith. It's it's an incredible accomplishment. And what Mike Vrabel does with Tennessee, they have no business being good. 
They just won a game with Malik Willis as their starting quarterback. Now, I understand they were playing the Titans, but a huge reason for their success is a running back that, let's face it, fell to the second round because people went, no, this isn't going to translate to the NFL. It hasn't just translated. Like, I mean, they make the playoffs again as an 11-12 win team, and he has another big year. I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Fame career, not like a really good player. We're talking about a Hall of Fame career. So Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel, it's just, it's really, really impressive. I'll say this about Tua, who had a fantastic game statistically. He was 29-36, threw three touchdowns, and well over 300 yards. Now, he was playing the Lions, who just fired their DB coach. I'm not a big Tua guy, and I'm not going to ebb and flow with every one of his good games and every one of his bad games. I stand where I stand. I wouldn't want him as my starting quarterback. But I will say this about him. He's a multiplier. People really like him. He gets along very well with his teammates. And there is something to be said when you're an average talent about really resonating with the building and having, you know, consistently their best players, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, like go to bat for this guy. Speak very, very highly of him. And Tua is never going to be a top 10 quarterback. He does not have the talent. But I remember, and I think the best example of like, an average talent that became a really good player was Alex Smith. And he benefited from two things. One, he played with really good teams. He was with good coaches, with Jim Harbaugh, and then with Andy Reid, and he was surrounded by good teams. But he was also beloved. Like his teammates wanted to go to war for him. They wanted to go above and beyond for the guy. And I do feel when you watch the Dolphins play that his guys play really hard for him and around him. And I don't think that's nothing because Russell Wilson, who's like a borderline Hall of Famer, why does everyone hate him? Why does everyone not like Russell Wilson? You know, we kind of have some information, but we've never heard like a perfectly set out reason why everyone, everyone kind of beats around the bush, but it's clear like he's kind of a diva. He's kind of like, narcissist might be too strong of a word, but all about himself where a lot of the best quarterbacks that aren't the best players are just like great teammates. And it does feel like Tua is very, very well liked. And Miami, they're going to make the playoffs this year. Now, I'm going to bet against them in the first round. I'll promise you that. I cannot envision Tua, especially because they're not going to win the division, means they're going to play a road playoff game. I ain't picking Tua to play on the road and beat, you know, the Chiefs or something. But making the playoffs, first year Mike McDaniel would be very impressive and you know, seems like Tua's a good guy, easy person to root for, especially after that situation that happened on Thursday Night Football. Speaking about Tua, I mean, Dan Campbell, it's just not going well. I mean, they are not winning any games. They look, I mean, they just never win. Even games like I, I bet on them and they just never come through. Even though you're like, they're going to win this game. Well, no, they're not. And he fired a DB coach. And here's what I will say that I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them next year to show some signs of life because their owner, who I don't really think they care that much about football. They kind of remind me of like a Cal Berkeley. Like everyone's like, oh, Cal Berkeley just lost to Colorado. Wilcox, he's not in any trouble. No one in the university gives a shit about football. Now, I'm not saying Martha Ford doesn't give a shit about football, but if they really cared, they wouldn't always suck. It'd be impossible. And they have consistently sucked my entire life. The two best players in the history of the franchise, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, both retired 
at 30 years old. Think about that. Both retired at 30 years old. So he's not going to go anywhere. And here's the other thing he's going to have going for him going into next year. They're probably, I mean, there's a decent chance they're going to have the number one overall pick. They also, because of the Rams Stafford trade, like what if the Rams go six and 11 and that pick is like 10th. So they will have multiple picks in the top 10. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And even if the Rams somehow get to like seven and 10, like that pick could easily be like 12, 13, 14. Here's the other thing people forget. They drafted the dude from uh, Jameson Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama, who tore his ACL. So they're going to have him come in. Like, I, I don't know how much he'll end up playing this year, kind of a redshirt year, but like they did draft him. They do have some offensive weapons. They need to draft defense, and obviously they need a quarterback. But there are some signs of life in terms of the future when you factor in the draft picks and when you factor in the help. And you just watch them. Like, they do have some good players. Is Dan Campbell the long-term coach? You know, I'd probably bet against it, but uh, I, I'm going to give him... I'll give him at least next season before I make some definitive, this guy sucks. Because, you know, would Belichick win a couple more games there? Of course. Would Andy Reid? But I, I don't think that the that the Lions would be... I did pick him to be a feisty, maybe not a playoff team. So maybe I'm being unfair and maybe I'm pivoting, but uh, Dan Campbell might just suck. Never mind. And then last but not least, Nick Saban turned 71 years old today. 71 years old. Massive game this week against LSU. Shows absolutely no sh- signs of slowing down. I text someone a while back. I, I would say, guy that kind of knows him and has worked for him and said, Do you think he was going to retire at the end of this year? And he's like, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he coaches five more years. And there is something, and I've been around some older coaches. Like, have you ever been around a 70-year-old guy who's retired or whatever and just kind of lethargic, doesn't have any energy? Like, that's most older people, right? Their careers are kind of over. They're just not doing much. They're just a step slower. You, you get around coaches that are in their late 60s, early 70s. They have an energy to them. And I think part of that is you get to be around young people. And young people, there's an energy that they give you. And Nick Saban, you know, you watch some of these clips of him coaching. He's lighting people up, up 40 to nothing in some of these games. Like, I I envision him going nowhere. Now, I I don't think he's going to win the national championship this year. Hell, he could easily lose this game to LSU. But happy birthday, big dog. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. 
Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire into those DMs. Ask me any question you would like. Start with Roy. Bears trading Roquan for a second and a fifth. Actually like the move. I can see what Ryan Poles is doing. And his plan is going forward. Roquan wanted $20 million a year. Don't see why you would pay that for an off-ball linebacker. Thoughts on the move? Well, I agree. I have no problem paying an elite linebacker if my team's good. It doesn't make that much sense for the Bears, though they have $100 million in cap space next year. One thing I had heard is they had offered him a lot of money, and he turned them down. I don't think he wanted to be a Bear anymore. Now, here's what is somewhat of a kick in the you-know-what. They drafted him really, really high, and he turned out to be a really good player. Now, I understand this GM didn't, but you're trading a guy that you drafted in, wasn't he a top-10 pick for a second-round pick? And the Ravens, I mean, the Ravens are going to win the division, I think. And they're definitely going to the playoffs, so that pick's in the 20s. Well, in the second round, what's a pick in the 20s? Well, the round starts at 33, So do the math. I mean, you're talking about 56, 57. You know, I get it. It's better than nothing. I also think it shows you his market was pretty shitty because most teams, and I disagree with this, when you have the ability to get a star middle linebacker and your team is good, they they impact your squad, man. Because they make every tackle in the run game and if they're a good cover guy. Now, I haven't studied Roquan, but everyone I talk to in the league thinks he's a really good player. But I, but I get it. You know, I mean, you're kind of restarting the organization. And again, in fairness to Poles, Eberflus in the organization, I, I had heard, and I think they had talked about it, but from someone in the NFL, so they offered him a lot of money. And, and he said no. So I, I, a lot of people thought that he just didn't want to be there anymore. Which, you know, you could argue is somewhat understandable. Uh, hey, John, what... When are you planning to discuss on your show that your Panthers prediction still has some life? They are a win away from first. I know. It, it was it was close. Now, I couldn't take any credit for it because my prediction involved Baker Mayfield and Matt Rule. Uh, Baker's career is basically over and Matt Rule fired. So I did not envision Steve Wilkes and P.J. Walker, you know, uh, basically resurrecting my pick. And I, I picked it, and I, I I hang my hat on not doing this, but it's just, I'm not big on predictions. Like, I'll, I'll make predictions on a given week, like who I'm gambling on. But, like, who's going to win the division? You know, unless it's like the Chiefs. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't want to pick the Bucks. And part of the reason I shorted the Bucks was Tom Brady and his impending divorce, which at the time we didn't even know he was going to get a divorce. We just know that he disappeared from training camp. 
And clearly he doesn't really feel that into it, which is a little weird from Tom. Now it turns out the Saints suck. The Falcons are actually pretty decent, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't deserve too much credit on that one. I, I'll take the L. Been following you for a while, big fan. Now living in L.A. I don't know if that's Louisiana or Los Angeles, home of the worst NBA basketball team I think I've ever seen in the L.A. Lakers. Question for the pot. Just heard your take on the Hawks-Giants game, being big and how surprised you are that it's such a critical game, especially over Rams and 49ers. My question is this. Do we stand a chance to win the division or make the playoffs? If Russ continues to stink up in Denver, do we use that pick for a quarterback? Or is Geno a two, three-year solution and we draft more O-line help, pass rushers, and continue to improve in other areas? Well... You basically just need, I mean, you obviously are, root for Denver to lose every single game because the higher that pick is, like, their pick's going to be higher than yours. Now, can you win the division? You know, San Francisco played you guys, and they kicked your ass. Uh, You play, I think, Arizona this week. The game against the Giants was impressive. Your your team's good. You have a very, very solid team. I I think that you can get to 10 wins. If I had to bet right now, you kind of feel like a 9-8 and team. But you've played really good this season. And Pete Carroll's a big-time coach. John Schneider, everyone tried to talk shit. I've always believed in him as a general manager. If you make the playoffs as a wild card, that is an incredible accomplishment. Because everyone, and I'm probably guilty of this too, picked you guys to stink. To be 5-3 and three after 8 games. When you're 5-3 and three after 8 games, I mean, you can go 3-5 you can go three and five over the next 8 games. You'd be 8-8. Eight and eight. All you gotta do is win one. I mean, I think it's very, very possible for you guys to be above 500 and I don't think there's a soul outside of that building that would have envisioned or picked Seattle to do that no no chance actually so just pretty unreal from you guys found you through the volume over a year ago but subscribe directly at your request a few housekeeping notes I haven't watched ESPN in god knows how long but did the other day before the NFL game started is Chris Mortensen the same one I used to watch back in the day he looks really bad. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he got cancer, so he got sick, so he looks dramatically different. Also, Colin's buddy Nick Wright looks like Tom Green from MTV 20 years ago. Thoughts? Not a bad comparison. Kind of like that. Okay, getting to football. <laughs> I'm a lifelong Pats fan and season ticket holder. Uh, thanks, Dad. Long before the dynasty, and I'm going to go to the game this week and would love to see Bailey Zappi start over Hoyer. Do you think they have... Any reason not to? I don't think Mac or any quarterback on that team is the future and knew it would be tough after Brady left, but it kills me to see Bill's legacy get tarnished. With any decent quarterback, we would be second behind Buffalo. What do you think? I still think that you can finish second behind Buffalo. I I, I really do. I, I would not just chalk Miami as the lock, you know, 11-win team. I, I think you and Miami are going to battle all year long for that second spot against Buffalo. Now, you got no chance against Buffalo. Miami's already beat him once. So Miami will probably lose the second game and split with Buffalo, which is an incredible accomplishment. Even as if it's pretty crazy the way they beat him, but they did. And you don't get extra credit in the NFL. So just win the game, figure it out, and they did. So, yeah, I mean, I I would say uh, your quarterback is is a problem. Do you think the Bears GM is trading away assets like Robert Quinn and Roquan to try and win less to get higher draft picks as well as give young players as many reps as possible? Well, I think Robert Quinn specifically 
you know, when you're an average to below team and you have a 32 year old pass rusher who makes a lot of money, like what's the point? You know, I think part of it was he's not their guy. They got some value. They got a fourth round pick. They need to keep building this thing from the studs. I think it's more that mindset. And Roquan, what I just talked about, I think it was a money thing. I don't I don't think he ever wanted to be there. I don't think he wanted to play for these guys. I think he was tired of playing in Chicago, which I, I got to be honest, like I never fault anyone for wanting to play somewhere different. I've wanted to work different places. I, I've, you know, changed careers and moved jobs and created my own jobs technically. Like I, I get it. But I think the difference is like, if you're an entrepreneur and you're in the podcast space, like I can fuck around. I can live wherever. I can figure it out on the go. If I'm a football player, it matters where I play, right? In the podcast business, it matters who I'm associated with or what I talk about, right? My podcast is much more valuable with Colin and on the volume than it would be me just doing it by myself. Of course it is. But it also allows me, like I could just pick up and move from the Bay Area to Scottsdale. If I wanted to move to Nashville, if I wanted to move to Alaska, I could have done whatever I wanted. I don't have to ask anyone to do anything. But as a player, you don't determine where you play, right? Unless you're a free agent because a team drafts you. But once you're in a good spot, like Roquan, I don't blame him. He didn't like playing there. Their team's not going to be that good for the next couple of years. Like, I, I get it. But I was thinking about this because, you know, I'm out on the West Coast and Fresno State guy, and I'm on a lot of text chains about Derek Carr and Devontae. I understand Devontae like wanting to live somewhere else and play with his buddy. But you, your career is, is so small. Even if you play 12, 13, 15 years, if you live till 80 years old, it is a small time over your life. And once you get to a high level as a player, you're going to make a shitload of money. And Devontae was already making a lot of money, and the Packers were prepared to pay him a lot of money. He played for the Green Bay Packers, one of the great organizational, just powerful brands in the world. And he played with Aaron Rodgers in the peak of his powers. Now, I get it, Aaron's weird and weird things are going on, but the Raiders consistently lose. They have had three winning seasons in two decades. And currently, they are a joke. If Devontae Adams had stayed with Green Bay, they would not be three and five. I mean, honestly, at worst, they'd be five and three. They would be unreal again. He chose to play with his buddy and Josh McDaniels, who is clearly pretty over his head. And it's a disastrous, disastrous decision. It really is. Now, I, I get... I, I, I don't know. I, I actually don't. I mean, I get the family element of it. I know he had family members that had never seen him play live. But, man, I that one's got to hurt. Uh, <clears throat> as a Packer fan, I was wooed in the first few years of the LaFleur hire. 13-3, and three, the first two years back-to-back, was pretty impressive. However, after last year, I kind of got suspect over him. Suspect over him. I think I, I said that wrong. And how he is a soft coach, and soft don't win Super Bowls. I think he's a good offensive mind, and, it, and it's really not something you can pinpoint, but the Packers always feel soft under his administration. Leadership, I think that's what you mean. Whenever faced with a little adversity, they fold. Say what you want about McCarthy, but he coached tough Packer teams and sure as hell coaches a tough Dallas team. And I think he brought out the edge in Rodgers. Iconic moments like 
relax, run the table, playing stoned on pay killers and coming back against the Bears. Would really love to hear your thoughts. You know, what's weird is I do believe your offensive coach can impact the defense by two ways. One, they put a premium on that side of the ball. They like drafting those players. They like signing defensive linemen. They like tough defensive players. Or they like running the ball, which establishes toughness in practice. And what's weird is I think LaFleur does like running the football. He has really added that element, which I think we can agree. It wasn't McCarthy's go-to thing. He liked passing the ball. I, I do wonder if like his personality, and I've said this, I don't know Matt personally, but I did attend his first year as an, as an offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, and he was pretty impressive running a OTA practice in terms of lighting guys up and being on guys. I actually think they take the personality of Aaron Rodgers. You know, like, ultimately, the Lakers take the personality of this version of LeBron, who's just, he's not there. He doesn't give a shit about the Lakers. He's there to live in L.A., make a lot of money, and just break some records individually. And you just watch the Lakers. They're kind of lifeless. Of course they are. Their best player doesn't really care anymore. Like, Aaron Rodgers cares, but kind of on his terms. And he's always been a little different. And I do wonder if they take on his personality. Because ultimately, the Patriots, whose personality do they take on? Fucking Tom Brady. Guy would run through a wall. He would do anything humanly possible within the deepest, deepest realms of the soul to win a game. And so would Bill. And the the Patriots represented that over the years. I'm not saying Rodgers doesn't want to win and doesn't try hard to win. But it does feel like he kind of wants to do it on his terms. Russell Wilson has that same feel. And Rodgers is way better than Russell. And it's why the last couple of years they've had a lot of success. But it's also why they've kind of folded in the playoffs. Like last year, I, I do think the worst loss of his career. And I've seen several against the Niners over the years. But like, you know, the Harbaugh team that beat him, like I, I get it. The, the first Kyle Shanahan team that beat him in 19, I, I get it. You cannot lose to that Niner team last year. They, they did not score an offensive touchdown. Honestly, Tom Brady wins that game by multiple touchdowns. That that was, I put that on Rodgers as much as I do LaFleur. That cannot happen. You can be like, well, the punt team, well, it sh- never should have came down to that. How Rodgers doesn't will his team to a couple touchdowns is beyond me. He's in the peak of his powers. MVP of the league. He's got Devontae Adams at home. So I... I in a weird way, and I'm not I'm not trying to go coward here. I'm not anti-Rodgers. I, I think he's like my Dan Marino, but he has a Super Bowl. But there's 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 a toughness element to him. Not that he's not a tough guy, like he can take hits and pop up, but something about his play that I, I do think his team kind of reflects. Like you watch Josh Allen, you watch Patrick Mahomes, you think the, I mean those guys, you gotta drag their ass off the field. Rodgers had a little bit of that back, you're right, with McCarthy, but he was younger. You know, I, I when you get 38, 39, like most guys, like, you know, am I really going to get laid out on this one to potentially hit this 40-yard bomb? Maybe not. Again, I, I'm not a Rodgers hater. I, I marvel at the player. But that loss last year, then Devontae wanting out, and now this year, because again, I still think he looks like a really good player. Like, you put them on the 49ers right now, they're not losing the game, right? I mean, they, they'd roll to the Super Bowl. Like, he's still an elite player, but he just kind of feels, you know, 
just in a good little ayahuasca spot. Life's good, which I'm cool with. I, I try to keep a positive mindset too. But I'm not being paid $50 million and having an iconic franchise depend on me to carry their ass. You know? That's just, that's the position he's in. Like I said this last week about Russell. When you get paid that much money, do you know the amount of people in the world that get paid $40, 50000000 million that have zero ownership in whatever they're being paid by? Aaron Rodgers gets paid $50 million a year and has zero equity, no juice in the deal. Just no liability. It's just, he's just an employee. All guaranteed too. Think about that. Like it's a, it's one of the best jobs in the world. A lot of people that make that much, it's because they own the company. But they also, you know, if the company goes the other way, they're screwed. Like Rodgers cannot lose. It is a one-way tract of money to him. I say it all the time. The best business in the history of the world is the NBA. Average salary, seven plus million dollars. The amount of guys making over $30 million, they have zero. Let me repeat, zero liability. Whether they're good, whether they suck. it Hell, if you're a good player, even if you get injured, Kawhi Leonard's been hurt for like five straight years. Doesn't matter. Makes like $40 million a year. It does not matter. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. No one cared. Everyone's offering him max contracts. Klay Thompson made $80 million, didn't play a game in the NBA for two straight years. It's, a, it's, a, it's the best business proposition in the history of the league, even though their guys are always bitching and moaning and complaining. You guys wonder why you don't resonate like you used to with the fan base. I mean, come on, guys. But like, I, I do just wonder if there's a softness to him. And speaking of the NBA, like part of the Warriors have some toughness. Like, yeah, Draymond's kind of crazy. But he adds an element of toughness to them. Like when it gets nut-cutting time and they get in big games, they usually pull it out. Partly because, I mean, a huge part because they have Steph and they also have him in the trenches with them. Like you kind of need to be a little crazy. I got, I watched Tom Brady. Tom Brady's crazy. I watched Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Like they kind of feel like they got that crazy. You know? We're going to find out like if Jalen Hurts has it. I know the Eagles kind of think he, think he does. Like Rodgers felt like he had it for a minute and now he's just, I don't know. I'm not saying he's going through the motions, but I, I put it a little bit more on him than LaFleur. I, I, I really do. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.